Welcome to episode 67 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by me. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. I've titled today's episode, Made a Decision. I'm going to relate my story of my journey to and through step three, which is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. I started from unbelief and was told to act as if. I found willingness and I surrendered. But still, I must give my will over on a daily basis because I continue to try to take it back. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. And my name is Spencer and I am your soul host today. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Store will be my discussion of the topic, Made a Decision. Following a musical break, I'll talk about my life in recovery this week, about what's happening in the meetings I attend and in my life. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. And uh, I had a reading, but I left the book elsewhere. The uh, The reading came from uh, Paths to Recovery, the discussion of Step 3, the paragraph about making a decision, that the step only asks us to make a decision, and relates a story of an l member who said, you know, there were three frogs on a pond sitting in a lily pad. One of them made the decision to jump off the lily pad. How many frogs are left on the lily pad? And the answer is three, because the frog has only made the decision. He hasn't actually jumped yet. And step three doesn't ask us to do the turning over right away. It asks us to make a decision to do the turning over. And for me, that was sort of critical because it was really hard for me to just say, okay, I'm just going to turn my will and my life over to this God I don't believe in. But I could make a decision that I was going to try to turn my will and my life over to the care of a higher power, whatever that might be, without knowing how I was going to do that. And, uh, you know, that helped me, uh, that helped me move forward. I didn't have to get stuck at step three until I found a God and believed that, uh, I could actually do that. So I want to start sort of at the beginning. And the beginning is that when I came into Al-Anon, I really had no God concept. Um, I was sort of at best agnostic, uh, leaning toward atheist. I just didn't see, I, I couldn't see that the concept of God as I understood God at the time, which was sort of the image of, that is most promoted in at least American society of, you know, this white haired guy in the sky who created everything and controls everything and knows everything. And that just didn't work for me. And it judges everything. And I think, you know, that's part of it. You know, I thought I was a very rational scientific person and I am a very rational scientific person and I didn't have a place in my belief set for, a God that, that I could turn things over to and that who would, who would affect things, who would, who would make changes in the world. And so, you know, I came to that, that basic question. Uh, how can I turn my will and my life over to something I don't believe in? And so, you know, what do you do? What do you do when you, you're asked to make a decision and it's not a decision you think you can make? Well, if you're in the program, what you do is you, you come to meetings uh, Maybe if it's a meeting where you can suggest a topic, you ask to talk about step three, or you ask to talk about step two, you ask to talk about higher power. Um, the meeting that I was attending at the time uh, was not one I could do that at, and so I just came to meetings and I listened. And of course, as I've found over my years in the program, that when I need to hear something, if I go to a meeting, if I go to enough meetings, I will hear exactly what I need to hear, which is for me itself evidence of 
some higher power, I guess. So one of the things that I heard, I mean, I heard people talking about how they put their their life and their will into the care of their higher power, into the care of God as they understood God, and that that was working for them in their life, that that was uh, reducing the insanity, and that things were working out. So, okay, so there's a piece. There's a piece of evidence. What other people say, other people's experience, their, their strength, their hope. It works for them. Maybe it could work for me. And I heard... I heard, at least from one person, and probably from more than one, I heard that I could act as if, which in this case meant saying, maybe, saying, I put my I put my will and my life into your care, into God's care, into my higher power's care. Even if I didn't believe it, just say it. Um, very simplest form of that is, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that was a prayer that I could subscribe to, that I could say, that I could mean, even if I didn't know who this God person was that I was addressing it to. And actually, a friend of mine in the program who was very much an atheist said, you know, there's a, there's an atheist version of that prayer. It says, please grant me the serenity, etc. You know, you can replace the word God. You can just not say the word God. Grant me the serenity. Who's granting? The universe is granting. Uh, my subconscious is granting. Doesn't really matter. Just saying it, just saying it and meaning it makes a difference. Saying that line from the third step prayer, relieve me of the bondage of self, makes a difference. I can, I can believe that I need to be relieved of the bondage of self without understanding, without knowing who's going to do it. And so I could start acting as if. I could start doing some prayer and some meditation without having a picture of of a being to which that prayer and meditation might be addressed. Also, when I came into the program, I was struggling with active alcoholism in my family. And sort of the main thing that got me to Al-Anon was a realization that I had no control, that whatever I had been trying to do, whatever I had done, um, was not changing the situation was not uh, creating the desired outcome. And so I could start to let go. I had to let go for my own sanity. I had to let go of that need to control. I had to let go of those attempts to control. I had to say, I can't do it. Maybe there's something else that can, and I'm going to have to let that something else do it. And that's another sort of acting as if. It was an acting as if that had a very positive effect on on my serenity, on my peace of mind, I didn't really have serenity then, but at least I had less chaos and less franticness and and uh, less um, indecision, less anxiety uh, when I could let go of the the idea that there was something I could do, there was something I needed to do that would make change happen. Um, you know, when I first when I first came to Elanon, it was over a decade ago. And back then, uh, cell phones, there was no such thing as a smartphone. I had a, I had a cell phone, and I could put one short line of text at the bottom of the screen that would, that would just show up whenever I turned it on. And for that short line of text, I started, when I started in the program, I just put let go. It was a reminder. And I didn't know if I was letting go to something or if I was just letting go. Um, you know, but I was acting as if... If I let go, if I stopped pushing, pulling, prodding, exhorting, yelling, pleading, crying, well, didn't stop crying, but crying as a means of control, uh, that maybe something would happen without, without me doing it. And whether, you know, it was my loved one that did it, my loved one's higher power that did it, my higher power that did it, uh, a universal God, it, you know, it really didn't matter. Just the act of letting go was was important. When I when I was actually working steps two and three um, in in my program, um, I felt that I had to define a higher power. And you know, I heard people say in meetings, you know, I don't have to know what my higher power is, but I felt like I had to define a higher power. And at that point, the only higher power that I could identify that was working in my life 
that was actually making changes for me was, was the program and the meetings. And so I remember uh, sitting, sitting in a circle in a meeting one day and saying, yeah, you guys are my higher power. Um, congratulations or something, or maybe uh, my condolences. I don't know. But see, the thing is, and I, I really didn't, didn't recognize this until maybe a couple of years ago, I was working with a sponsee who was having trouble with the third step. Uh, and I realized that in a very real way, I had made a decision to turn my will and my life over to a higher power by doing the actions of coming to meetings and listening and getting a sponsor and listening to what my sponsor said and listening to what the literature said and doing, you know, taking some of those suggestions and doing them and, and taking some of those don'ts and not doing them, you know, starting to not enable, starting to not uh, pick up after starting, you know, letting go. Uh, by doing that, I was really, really, really giving my will in my life, at least in that one aspect, over to the care of a higher power. I was letting go of my will. I was letting go of the way in which I thought things ought to go and saying, okay, um, I can't do this. And I'm listening to you guys and you guys are telling me this is the way to go. And so I'm going to try that because maybe it'll work better. And you know what? It did. It did work better. <laughs> so I'm looking here back up a little bit. We've got Howie in the chat room and Howie says the short version of the serenity prayer goes something like this. Fuck sweating stuff. Okay. That's at least the, uh, um, serenity to accept the things I cannot change if expressed in slightly more hostile language. But yeah, it's, it's short. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I started to see the meaning and the program as my higher power. And, and I really did make that decision. I mean, when I came to the program, I was on my knees. I didn't, didn't have, it just wasn't working. Things weren't working. Life wasn't working. There was chaos and it wasn't getting better. It was getting worse. And so it was sort of like, well, you know, the things that I have been doing are obviously not accomplishing what I want them to accomplish. Um, let's try a different way. And that different way seemed really strange. That different way included words like God and surrender and inventory that I didn't want to hear. Um, but, you know, I was desperate. And so I took it. And, uh, yeah, as, as, as Howie says, the pain got so bad that I made the decision to change. And that is, you know, there you go. I made a decision. Um, I need to change. I need to do something differently. I don't know that I made, I consciously made the decision to come to a meeting. I consciously made the decision to come to my first meeting after, um, years of saying, I don't need a program. I don't need those 12 steps. I don't need meetings. I don't need to change, you know, because I, I always thought it wasn't my problem. And, you know, part of it wasn't my problem. And that was the part that I was focusing all my effort on fixing the part that was not my problem. And, you know, I came to a meeting and y'all told me, came to many meetings <laughs> and y'all told me, look, you're sick. I said, yeah, I'm sick. Uh, I'm sick and tired. Um, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, except that, you know, I didn't have any substance to give up. I had to give up control. I had to give up my need to, uh, to change my loved one's life. And, and that was not something I could do alone. You know, I needed help. And, and so in a moment of clarity, I made a decision to reach out for help by coming to a meeting and, you know, things have, have not been the same since, uh, it would be, you know, it's hard to go back to the old ways. Occasionally I pick them up and they don't feel comfortable. Sometimes I still do them. Uh, but, you know, it's not the automatic response anymore, which is cool. So I was motivated by unmanageability to try something different. I was motivated by the unmanageability, by um, the fact that my stinking thinking got me to where I was to try somebody else's thinking. Uh, because, uh, yeah, because mine was not working. I started to see, see, this is the thing. So you, you sort of start acting as if, and you sort of start, and, and, and at least I started looking for sort of evidence that, you know, maybe it was working because that's what we need to do, don't we? Hard to have, hard to have faith without evidence for me anyway. And I started looking for that and, and, uh, 
You know, one thing that I saw, at least I thought I saw, uh, was that when I managed to let go, when I said, this is not mine, and you've got to do it on your own, um, then my loved one sought treatment. And that happened a few times. And it might have been coincidence, but that's okay. It might not have been coincidence. And I certainly saw it as evidence that letting go was was a good thing to do, that maybe the right thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep telling myself that, right, whether it's true or not. Um, I started seeing other things. I started listening. I, you know, certainly I was listening in meetings, but I just started listening. Uh, I don't know. I could say listening to God. I don't know if that's what I called it. But so there was, um, there was an incident situation. I don't know. Um, I've been in the program maybe six months at that point. Um, and, uh, my wife said we had these, we had these wedding rings that we had gotten when we were, you know, we got married, we were young, relatively speaking. And we got these, she called them hippie wedding bands. Um, after a while they were, uh, they were gold rings with an opal inlay. They were really pretty, but they were not practical. Uh, the opal inlay was fragile. Uh, if it got wet, uh, or if it bumped into something, you know, if it got wet, it would get cloudy. And, and if it bumped into things, maybe the, some of the opal would fall out and, uh, spent some time, several times repairing them. And it never looked quite as good after the repair. And finally, she, you know, she said, Hey, we've been, we've been married 18 years. Maybe it's time for us to get, uh, you know, new wedding bands that are, um, maybe a little more traditional, definitely more durable. And so we went ring shopping. And, you know, when you do that sort of thing, you, you start at the high end. So you sort of see, you know, what's the, what's sort of, what's the best you could do, I guess. I don't know. And we went to a local jeweler that made his own stuff. And she found a ring she loved. And I found one, I, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, it's not so important to me, but I found one that I liked. But they were, you know, they cost more than I was willing to consider paying. And of course, I said as much, and you can imagine that it was not really well received. Um, and, uh, you know, things were a little cool for a while. And I don't know, maybe a few days later, I was just walking down the street and I heard this voice in my head say, this is really important to her. You should do it. Okay, that was not my head saying that. That was that was not a thought that was in my head. That that came from somewhere. Um, and I choose to say that it came from God, that, that I heard that, that small voice inside. And, you know, that doesn't happen to me very often, but it has happened a few times. And I said, yeah, you're right. Okay. You know, and what happened then was we went and looked at some other jewelers and we found one that was very similar to the, the one that she had really liked. And it was, I think less than half the price. I don't remember exactly now. And that's what we got. So, I mean, I guess if, even if I hadn't listened to that voice, we would have found that other ring and, and it would have been okay. But, but this way, you know, I was able to say, if that's the ring you want, that's the ring we'll get. And, you know, that, that just makes a difference in a relationship. You know, it makes, uh, we're not, we're not going, we're not settling for the cheaper ring in that sense, you know, well, Spencer won't let me get the one I really want. So I'll settle for this one. Um, you know, and, and, uh, so there I listened, you know, I gave my will over to the care of my higher power and, and the result was good. And so I, I had, you know, I had evidence like that, that this could work. And uh, let's see, Howie's, Howie's being uh, pretty vocal here. Let's see what we got here. Yeah, Howie says he has this problem where he thinks too much. And definitely, um, <laughs> I was listening to an Ellen on uh, Open Talk recently, and, and uh, I forget exactly the situation he was talking about. He said, but he says, I was powerless against that first, that first think. Powerless against that first think. And sometimes I am. And that's where I need, you know, the help of my higher power to help me um, not act on that first think, because one think leads to another. And before you know it, um, yeah, before you know it, things are out of control. 
and you've totally taken over and uh, and gone off the deep end. And uh, yeah, tape on fast forward. How he says it's like my thoughts are tape on fast forward, and it's not accurate thinking, delusional, and maybe accurate with what I can perceive, but my thinking runs with it. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree there. Been there, Howie. Um, okay, so I started to see evidence of of you know. If I gave my will and my life over to the care of my higher power, I keep saying care of, and care of was really important to me. Those two words in that step were really important to me. And I know that that Bill and the early AAs spent some time really working out the wording of the steps. If you go, there's a, a an edition of the big book out that has the original uh, manuscript from which the big book was uh, printed with a whole bunch of corrections in it. And if you go look there, you can see that, that things were changed. Words were changed even, you know, as they were going to press. I mean, they had it all typed up and then they marked it up and said, no, this needs to change to here and all that. And, you know, I, I suspect that somebody had those two words care of inserted, uh, to speak to people like me, uh, where I'm sorry, I'm still too strong-willed to totally give, my will and my life over to something else to let to let God, if you will, run my life. But I can give my will and my life over to the care of God. And that's where I came to. I came to a willingness to do that. You know, seeing this evidence, seeing it working in my life, seeing it working in other people's lives and and you know, finding serenity, finding happiness, finding um, you know, less anxiety, less fear, less despair, less frustration. Um when I did it uh, and just, you know, as I said, just coming to meetings and listening and I hear, I, I believe that I hear the voice of my higher power through other people, mostly not so much directly. And so I go to a lot of meetings and I talk to people because I need to. And so I can't really put a finger on it. I think, I think that I could say that um, I worked the steps again with us with a small group a couple of years ago and that when we were looking at step three there, I think is, is when I really said, yes, I, ha- I am doing this. I have done this. I will do this. But I think it, it, it happened gradually. And, and as I got more and more comfortable with it, and that's another thing is, is, you know, it's a new thing. It takes practice for me to do a new thing. And it takes, it takes daily practice for me to continue to, you know, I have to make that decision daily. I have to make that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand God daily, sometimes more often than daily. But it's a good thing to do. Um, when I get up in the morning, uh, I have this sometime routine that I would like it to be an everyday routine. It's not yet. But I get up and I say the, the third step prayer and I say the seventh step prayer and and sometimes a couple of other prayers and you know it's a daily recommitting to hearing my higher power and and trying to follow what my higher power says um and you know the 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 concept of higher power I still don't have a picture of higher power I still don't have a picture of god and I think that's a good thing but what I do know is that Whatever God is, God loves me. God loves everybody. And that, you know, I can feel that love when I walk into a meeting. I can feel that love when I'm in worship at church. Um, and that, you know, God, which I use, I, I use the word God sometimes, so I use the word higher power sometimes, as you've heard. God is a, is a nice short word. It's easy to say. Um, it was hard for me to say for a long time, for most of my life. It was really hard for me to say, as as uh, some of my family puts it, the G word. Um, but God loves me. God wants the best for me. And God will give me guidance. It's still up to me to follow that guidance. And, you know, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I want an outcome. I am working towards an outcome. And... You know, what I hear from my higher power is that's not the outcome you're going to get, and I keep going there. And, you know, 
I don't get the outcome I wanted. And sometimes I get an outcome that I really didn't want. And, you know, it's a reminder that, that I really need to keep listening and I really need to keep giving it over. I, I need to need to let go of, of my will so often. So daily practice is really necessary for me. You know, I had a, I had a situation earlier this or last year, I guess it was now, um, that, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to have a certain person, um, in my life. I wanted a, uh, a closer connection with, with somebody. And so I pushed it and, and I really pushed it hard. And despite a lot of signals that this was not such a good plan. And, you know, what happened was that the, the person said, uh, go away basically. Um, and so by pushing too hard, by, by, by trying to exert my will, um, I not only did not get the outcome I wanted, but um, I, I got an outcome that was basically completely in the other direction. Now, I don't know, you know, obviously I don't know what, what would have happened otherwise, but, um, you know, and, and that's a hard one. And, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where I, I am grateful um, that I see that I'm still doing this, that, that I can be very self-destructive when I, when I try to exert my own will and things like that, where I know that, I know that, um, having healthy relationships with other people is not something that comes naturally to me. Um, and it's something where I really need to listen to the guidance of my higher power in order to get there. And so I do, Uh, at least I try to, Uh, Yeah. So, you know, what I was thinking a little bit about what held me back, what still holds me back sometimes from, from completely taking step three and, and really giving uh, my life over to the care of, of God. And, you know, one thing is just this sort of um, scientific intellectual um, thinking that says there's no such thing. There is no supernatural being or whatever. And, you know, and I feel this this tension sort of between, as I've put it at times, between my head and my heart on that, that my heart feels God and my head says, no, that can't be true. Uh, and I think that may be um, a tension that I just have to live with, that I have to accept um, and think with my heart on this issue rather than my head. Um, fear, fear is a big one. Fear of losing control. Fear of, of not getting outcomes that I want, um, you know, and and that's like, I mean, that's the huge thing of the program with, you know, acceptance of what is, um, acceptance that I'm not all powerful and therefore I will not always get the outcome that I want, um, and and understanding and experience and faith that um, usually the outcome that does occur is okay that, you know, the worst is not what has happened. Um, or, you know, then I, it's another effing learning experience sometimes. But, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. Life goes on. And, and I can be okay. Um, and so, you know, the fear can be there, the fear of, of loss of control, the fear that, you know, I don't get, uh, Santa doesn't bring me what I want for Christmas. Well, you know, Santa's going to bring me something for Christmas. And, uh, and, it'll, and, and I'll probably like whatever it is he chooses, uh, even if it's not what I said I wanted in the first place. And I've certainly, the other thing that I've had, I, she's thinking back to Santa and Christmas. I mean, there were times when I said, oh, I want this thing, 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 I want this thing. Um, you know, I could be an obnoxious little kid too. And, and then I got it, and it turned out it really was, you know, not so good. Um, you know, it looked really exciting in the catalog and, and then I got it and it was kind of cheap and cheesy and, and fell apart and, um, you know, didn't meet my expectations. And maybe if I had not been so insistent on wanting that, that particular thing, I would have gotten something that I actually would have enjoyed more. Who knows? Yeah. Fear is big. 
and the desire for my outcome. So those, those are things that, that hold me back, that held me back. Um, and the things that pushed me forward, you know, these are positive. Well, I, one of them was the clear unmanageability of my life at the beginning. You know, that, as I said, I was desperate. I was on my knees. Um, I was sick and tired of, of being sick and tired. And, and so I was motivated to change. And so motivation for change was a big one pushing me forward. This was a way that, you know, you all told me in the program, you told me this is a way to get change. This is a way to make your life better. Um, these steps have worked for us. They can work for you. So, yeah. So move forward. Um, you know, I could see it work when I paid attention to the will of my higher power as expressed, you know, through other people's voices, through the readings, you know, if I picked up, picked up an LNM book and opened up, opened a page to a reading that just spoke directly to something I was struggling with, um, you know, I should listen. And, and when I do listen, uh, things work out. So seeing that happen. And again, on the, on the negative side, you know, when I exert my will, when I push for a particular outcome, uh, causes problems. You know, this happens in my personal life. This happens at work. Um, I think I told this story, uh, maybe it was about a year ago now. Um, I, some, a, a coworker called a meeting to talk about, um, something we were working on and, and I wanted a particular outcome of the meeting and I pretty much hijacked the meeting and, and just pushed, pushed for my outcome and pushed and pushed and, and then, you know, realized that like I was taking over his meeting um, and that I was not the only person working on this project and that, and that I could make a contribution, but you know, I wasn't the boss, I wasn't running it. And, and the, the end result might be something different from what I thought it should be. And the end result was something different from what I thought it should be. And probably what I had been pushing for wasn't going to work as it happened. But, you know, my will took over. Um, so seeing that sort of thing happening, you know, and I had to make amends, right? So when I follow, when I follow the steps, when I give my will in my life over to the care of my higher power and listen, um, do his will, not mine, um, I have a lot fewer amends to make. And that's cool. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, as Howie said earlier, I mean, change. Change requires changing. Um, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so um, change means letting go of the old ways and recognizing that that I can't do it alone. I certainly am not able to do it alone right now. And uh, I'm going to take a break. We're going to listen to Sarah McLaughlin uh, singing Sweet Surrender. And, you know, I... I heard this song and I was like, oh yeah, surrender, sweet surrender. Sounds like step three. And then I actually um, listened to the words, read the lyrics, and and it captures, um, you know, with that new understanding, it captures this feeling of wanting to surrender, wanting to give my will and my life to the care of my higher power, but still not quite believing that it's going to work, uh, but also knowing that there's nowhere else to turn. And And here's some of the lyrics that sort of say that to me. Sweet surrender is all that I have to give. Take me in, no questions asked. You strip away the ugliness that surrounds me. Who are you? Are you an angel? Am I already that gone? I only hope I won't disappoint you when I'm down here on my knees. Who are you? And sweet surrender is all that I have to give. Doesn't mean much
In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings or my meetings in my life this week. And, uh, yeah, so what happened this week? Well, I, I'm, uh, I think I want to talk about meetings. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, uh, we had a newcomer, actually, we had a couple of newcomers at our table. So we uh, did a first step, and, you know, where we talk about, those of us who have been in the program for a while, we talk about, uh, you know, what brought us to the program and what we found in the program, the recovery that we found. Uh, and I think there's sort of two, um, two objectives, two goals for that. One is to hopefully give the newcomer something in our experience that they can identify with and also to uh, maybe bring some hope. Um, that at least we have recovered, even if perhaps our loved ones have not. And, and into that, um, into that sharings, into those sharings, uh, also came some loss. Uh, a young woman whose uh, mother had died of the disease, and and some somebody else whose uh, loved one was probably close to death. Uh, and and you know, sharing that pain. And, you know, that's another thing that, that we do in the meetings is, is we share our pain and somehow uh, shared pain is, is often somewhat lessened. And to have a place just where you can come and, and say these things is, is really important. Uh, I did not get to my usual Wednesday night meeting. I had a work uh, event happening. And so I went to a meeting on Thursday, which is a step meeting, and, and we talked about step 12. And I had been reflecting recently about the part of step 12 says that carry the message to others. And I think it was just that day I was listening to um, an AA open talk, uh, you know, while driving in my car and a person talked about having been uh, in recovery for something like 40 years, but, and, and still coming to meetings and people are like, why are you still coming to meetings? She said, well, she said, you were there for me when I needed you and someone needs to be there for you when you need me. And, and I thought that is, you know, that certainly is one of the reasons that I keep coming to meetings besides the fact that I'm still crazy and I still need help and I still need, uh, regular infusions of, of Al-Anon in order to keep myself from, from just sliding back into my, my old ways. Um, I'm also there carrying the message. And, and of course, that's what I'm doing on this podcast. Uh, this is very much part of my 12-step uh, work to carry the message to others. Uh, Saturday meeting, Saturday morning meeting yesterday, uh, we talked about step three. Uh, and that's where I got the sort of the theme for this, uh, this podcast, made a decision. Because I realized that, uh, you know, we talked about step three last year, but I think my experience, my understanding of step three has has changed some since last year. And and I thought it would be a good thing to you know, good for me to uh to sort of look at that that wholeness, to look at the totality of the journey as I've come to uh come to that making that decision more and more easily, even if I have to make it every day still. And it also tied into um something actually related to the podcast, which is that you know, I feel this pressure to find co-hosts, and I feel this pressure from two sides. One is that when I have a co-host, I don't have to fill all of the blank space with my own talking, and that's easier. Um, another is, has more than two sides. Everything has more than two sides. Uh, another is that when I have a co-host, I get um, a really nice um, diversity of, of ideas and experience, and, and I think that really enriches the episode. It really enriches what we our understanding of of the topic and hopefully enriches you know your understanding of the topic as you listen to us so i like to have co-hosts for a couple of reasons and then there's the codependent reason which is that i feel like you expect there to be more than one voice since this is you know we started out with three voices and we've been pretty we were pretty consistently three voices well kelly and swetha were we're doing the podcast with me and since then, I've been pretty consistently two or three voices in each episode with a couple of exceptions. And so I feel this 
this sense that you have an expectation of me, that you have an expectation of this podcast, that it will always be the same, that there will always be multiple voices. And, and of course, that's the one that, that's the voice that, that screams the loudest at me, you know, the ones that's the one that says you have to, you, you, you should, um, you, it's expected of you. And, you know, expectations, whether they're expectations that I have of myself or expectations that I think you have of me, um, are dangerous. Um, and they, uh, they do not help my serenity. They do not help my peace of mind. They do not help my spiritual health. And so I had this sort of, um, not quite a revelation, but, but I came to an understanding that, um, I need to do the best I can in finding co-hosts and, and that when I can't, when everybody says, I'm sorry, I can't do it this weekend or, or when, when, um, I, you know, um, don't get around to asking until maybe the day before and people are like, well, I have plans or whatever it is, um, that I've done the best I can and, and I need to, you know, take care of myself. I don't need, I, I need to not kill myself over the fact that I couldn't find a co-host. And, and I also am recognizing that, that, that I have these character defects and that I've certainly recognized before and that, and that they're playing into this and I'm fine. You know, this is an opportunity for me to move beyond those character defects. And, and one of the ones that really gets, is still getting me here is that of procrastination, that of, of doing things sort of at the last minute. So if I, um, you know, if I don't, ask until Saturday morning, well, you know what the answer I'm going to get is more likely going to be, no, I'm sorry, I can't be there. Or the person that I wanted to ask is not at the meeting when I want to ask them. And so I've started um, asking ahead. Uh, I have, um, you know, a person said they would co-host uh, next week. And I asked like um, a week, week and a half ago or something. I don't remember exactly now, you know, and said, okay, well, there's the one that fits my schedule and I'd be happy to do it. And, you know, so I have that sense of relief for next week, but I didn't find anybody for this week. And, um, you know, so procrastination is one. Um, just this, um, you know, it's still not easy for me to ask for help. Right? You know, and, and of course, that's kind of ironic, right? So I, it's not easy for me to ask for help, but I feel like I should have somebody else here. Like, they should just know that I need them and show up. Is that, How codependent is that? <laughs> and... Uh, and so I have to work, um, you know, go back to step seven on these character defects and say, yeah, God, I, I see that I'm still having trouble with procrastination. I'm having trouble with asking people for help. I'm having trouble with the fear that people will say no. And you know what? They do say no. And it's okay. Okay. This is, this is my, this fear of, fear of a bad answer to a question that prevents me from asking the question is, is something that, is is popping up has popped up all over my life and and it's really you know I think it's one that that is being removed um, sometimes slowly um, yeah so slowly but it is so anyway long story short uh, um, I I am going to be being more proactive about um, asking people and I, and I have asked ahead for a couple of episodes that I'm planning in the future as well so that's good. Let's see. Yeah. So what what do we got coming up in in the next few weeks? Um, and and this is part of my letting go of of a strict regimen and understanding that when I have to ask people to be co-hosts, that that uh, you know their schedule might not be my schedule. And so if I say, well, I'm going to do topic X next week, and and this person would be perfect for topic X, and then they can't do it, well, then you know, whoa. Um, so upcoming topics uh, include forgiveness which will be next week because I, I do have a co-host for that episode. Um, tradition four, probably the week after. Living with active addiction, which is a, a topic that, that people have asked for um, many times over the uh, the months and years. Uh, not years, but year. And uh, and that one, the, what I, I've, I've talked to some people um, about uh, sharing their experience, and I think the way that I'm, the, the way that one's going to work out is that I'm I'm going to talk to people um, throughout the next several weeks, and 
you know, get, get interviews basically. And then I'm going to put them together into an episode that, uh, I will release on Easter Sunday. Thus, um, uh, because Easter is going to be one of those days when it's going to be even harder to get people to, to come, I think, um, being a big holiday in this, uh, in this country at least. Um, and I'm also talking to um, some fellow members about doing an episode about um, small children in a recovering family and small children when you're st- having small children and, and when you're still dealing with active addiction uh, in a spouse and I've got a couple of people that said, yes, absolutely, they'd love to do it. haven't set a time yet, um, but that one's coming up. Uh, so uh, reaching out a little bit here, if you have um, experience, strength, and hope that you would like to share about um, living with active addiction or um, living with with small children in a, in a family where, where there's still active addiction, alcoholism, um, or if you have particular questions that maybe – um, you'd like me to ask the, the people that I'm interviewing, uh, please do send them. Uh, also, ideas on, on any of the other topics, uh, thoughts, questions, sharing, experience, strength, and hope on, on any of the other questions, uh, topics of forgiveness, tradition four, um, and uh, yeah, whatever else comes up. Uh, you know, you can, you can uh, leave a voicemail or you can send us an email. Uh, and I've gotten, I've gotten a couple of emails recently where a person said, you know, I thought about calling. But um, it's it's so much better when I write an email. I can think about what I want to say, and I can I can edit it, and I don't ramble as much. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that one. You just got to listen to me today to understand that one. Uh, so you can send feedback, um, send your experience, strength, and hope. You can call. Uh, love to have your voice. We have a voicemail number at seven three four seven zero seven eight seven nine five. That phone number is also on the website. You can use the voicemail number uh, button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. Um, or uh, you can send an email. And that's uh, emails go to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. And that is our website, um, therecoveryshow.com. And we've got information about the show there. We have notes for each episode. We have uh, some meditations. Uh, we have links to other podcasts and websites, blogs that we like. You can leave comments there. Uh, you can look at our list of suggested topics and and vote for, for topics that you'd like to see uh, covered. And uh, music suggestions and so on. And also, if you would uh, like to literally join the conversation, we can bring you in by telephone or Skype. Uh, Google Hangout, uh, or some other electronic medium. So if you're interested in that, maybe one of the upcoming topics really strikes you and you'd like to participate, uh, then uh, send us an email, feedback at com, and we will uh, work it out. So just uh, just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and, uh, and see what's there, enter our conversation. So before we get to our email bag this week. I want to uh, have another musical break here. And this one uh, is I Hope You Dance by Leanne Womack. And I picked this song. What I hear, I hear her singing to someone who's on the verge of, of making a decision, making maybe that decision about uh, turning their will and their life over to God. Uh, she's saying, promise me that you'll give faith a fighting chance. And when you get the chance to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. You'll give faith a fighting chance 
when you get the choice to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. I hope you dance. I hope you never fear those mountains in the distance. Never settle for the path of least resistance. Living might mean taking chances, but they're Loving might be a mistake, but it's worth making. Promise me that you'll give faith a fighting chance, and when you get the choice to sit it out or dance. Let's uh, let's take a look and see what's in the email bag today. And uh, an email from Julia sending a, a song suggestion for the codependency topic. And you know, it came too late to include it in the codependency episode, but I did post it uh, into the show notes at therecoveryshow.com/slash sixty-six. She wrote one of the most codependent songs ever that my codependent boyfriend used to sing to me all the time is "Can't Smile Without You" by Barry Manilow. I think it would be perfect for the episode on codependence when you do it. And, you know, like I said, I had to agree. And so uh, the video is in the show notes, uh, even though I didn't get it into the episode itself. And we heard from Julie. Uh, Julie wrote with thanks for the last episode uh, and some personal notes about what was going on in her life. And Julie, you know, what I found um, through this program is that is the certainty that, that things will work out for me in the end that uh, there may be pain and sorrow along the way. The outcome may not be the one that, that I've envisioned or the, an outcome that I want, but, but I will be okay. So, uh, so hang in there. Um, you know, do your first things first, absolutely, and do take care of yourself. And just this afternoon I was reading um, a blog, and uh, the, the person who wrote the blog was talking about an experience where you know, she was really afraid of of a, of a bad outcome and that uh, a friend in the program said, you know, there may be pain. Um, you will get through and, and you will be changed. And that is true. I want to thank Carla. She sent a meditation on step three, which I posted on the website yesterday. It's titled Let God. You know, take a look at that. Um, I want to thank Diane, who sent a contribution on forgiveness, uh, which will definitely include in next week's episode. It might also make a good meditation. Um, so thanks, thanks, Diane. And then uh, got a, a fairly long email from Akila, which uh, um, I didn't copy the subject line, but it was something like uh, about a bunch of episodes. Or She says, Spencer, hi. First, I must thank you for pronouncing my name correctly when you read a previous email of mine on the show, and I hope I repronounced it correctly. Um, make me nervous here, yeah. Uh, I have been listening to a lot of episodes lately and have a lot of comments. They're brief, but cover quite a few recent and not-so-recent topics. Codependency. Love this episode. Thanks so much for covering the topic, and I appreciate that you did it alone. I do enjoy the conversations, but hearing you talk about the topic was also nice. 
Lots to think about here. I've realized that codependency isn't just me basing my moods on other people, but also me wanting to punish other people when I feel bad so that they feel bad too. When my daughter made me angry once several months ago, I kept telling her to imagine what it felt like for the other person, and she called me out for trying to lay a guilt trip on her, and she was right. It wasn't enough for me to say, hey, what you did wasn't cool. I had to get a significant emotional response from her, so I really and truly knew that she felt terrible inside, so I could be sure she understood how I was feeling. Because I can't have an emotional response unless I'm validated for it in some way. Which reminds me, I often didn't allow myself to feel angry before a program unless someone else told me I was mad first. How codependent is that? Tell me how to feel and I know it's okay. That's how out of touch with my emotions I was. Changed Attitudes, another great episode. Parentheses. She says, they're all great. I'm going to just stop saying that now. Please know that I feel this way about any episodes I discuss below. Well, thanks, Akila. The biggest change I made was adopting the Al-Anon Declaration, Let It Begin With Me. I was always so angry and upset about what other people were or were not doing. So whenever I got upset, I would say the serenity prayer and follow it with, Let It Begin With Me. Sometimes I would even repeat, let it begin with me over and over and over as I was falling asleep to remind myself to concentrate on what I can control in any given situation, me, my actions, and my reactions. Resentments. During the resentments episode, Mark called in and asked about resenting a loved one who starts going to meetings. As an adult child of an alcoholic, I never experienced my dad going to meetings when I was home. What happened with me is that he got sober around the time I turned 30, after I had moved out and away from the family. I had so much anger around it, especially because my mom kept going on about how wonderful he was and how much he had changed. He's just so different, she would say. For the longest time, I would just seethe because I thought it was so unfair that he waited until after I had left to have this great personality change and to be this better person. What about my childhood? What about the time I had lost? And now all of a sudden, I was supposed to want to be around him and be grateful he was better? That was all pre-program, obviously. Now I understand that him getting sober is a good thing, and I'm glad we can have a better relationship today. I accept that my childhood and most of my adulthood at this point wasn't what I wanted it to be because his drinking made everything extremely difficult. But it's not difficult now, and I can enjoy his sobriety today. Upcoming topic, forgiveness. Oh, I have lots of experience with this. Forgiveness for me mostly came with acceptance. I also had to practice a lot of gratitude, recognizing that the people I was angry at weren't all bad or weren't only the things they did to hurt me. I have more thoughts about this, but they're unwieldy and it's late. But I am open to a conversation about my experience with forgiveness. For a topic idea, I would love if you did a show on the experiences of adult children of alcoholics, which I am more than willing to participate in. Well, thanks, Akila, for that. Also, I was the speaker at my meeting this Wednesday, and I was thinking about how many levels or layers our stories often have. For me, I have growing up with alcoholic parents and family members, and then the effects all of that had on my friendships, my romantic relationships, and my relationship with my daughter. I could probably do 40 minutes on each of these facets of my life and still have lots left over. I'm not sure where that fits into the show, but it just popped into my head. Maybe the myriad ways we see the effects of alcoholism addiction in our lives, that might be a topic idea. Thanks again to you and your co-hosts for giving so much time to this wonderful recovery tool. You are all appreciated, Akila. And uh, thanks, Akila, for for all of those words um, and for you know your sharing your experience um, because somebody out there will identify with with you with what you went through and um, will hopefully find a, a step towards recovery from understanding that. So I think I'm going to close off here. Um, briefly mention that we do have a donation button and, um, you know, it does cost us something to put this on, but, uh, if you feel it's worth something to you and, uh, you are able to, we would, uh, deeply appreciate, uh, if you make a donation to, uh, to cover our expenses. And if not, um, we deeply appreciate that you listen. We are here for you. I want to close the show with uh, a personal favorite. Uh, this is a music that uh, we started out opening every episode with. Uh, it's the, uh, the song name is Hesitation Blues. And this is uh, performed by Hot Tuna, uh, which is uh, a you know, funky uh, group name there. 
It's um, it's a group formed by a couple of the guys uh, from Jefferson Airplane. If maybe you're as old as I am, you remember them when they were still around, and and they've been playing blues for a long time now. I uh, I went into Spotify uh, to find a nice uh, rendition of this to to put in the show, and and there are so many different versions of this song by so many different people. Various blues artists uh, found one by Taj Mahal, found one by Mary McPartland, found one by Willie Nelson, um, and I found uh, a number by people I had never heard of. And you know, everybody does the words a little differently. Uh, there's verses that some people have that other people don't have. Uh, sometimes it's a very spare guitar blues uh, background. Sometimes it's uh, really the the Willie Nelson one that I found was this sort of really sort of upbeat. Uh, jazzy, sort of New Orleans jazzy kind of uh, feel to it, which didn't feel like Willie Nelson either, but um, so it's a, it's a song that's been around for a while, and it uh, anyway, I picked it why did I pick it? Because um, the, the guy in the song seems to be vacillating on the lip of a decision uh, trying to make a decision wondering how long, he says you know, how long, Lord, do I have to wait? And of course, uh, I think the answer to that is, uh, well, as long as you don't step forward. Uh, but he's also wondering, must I hesitate? So it's, it's very, it's very internally conflicted, um, and and it's lovely in that in that way. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.
hesitation stockings got them hesitation shoes you know lawn I got them hesitation blues tell me how long do I have to win 